It's time for Green Visions, a KUMD production to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. Yesterday, there was a tour, a press event and a tour, to witness the impact of drought and the Line 3 construction on the headwaters of the Mississippi. At issue is a dewatering permit increase recently approved by Minnesota's DNR to allow Enbridge, they, in the process of uh, they're building the tar sands pipeline, to remove almost 5 billion gallons of water. Uh, Folks are obviously concerned all across the state. Uh, This is the third driest year in 127 years, and a lot of communities are experiencing uh, drought. We're seeing some historically low water levels. And so this event was scheduled yesterday to give folks the opportunity to see and uh, invite the news media to come and see and report firsthand about the effects of the drought on the Mississippi. Dr. Christine Dolph joins us this morning. She is a research scientist with the Department of Ecology, Evolution, and Behavior at the University of Minnesota. Christine, good morning. Thanks so much for being our guest. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So tell us uh, where everyone met yesterday and tell us a little bit about what you saw as you took part in this uh, press event and tour. Yeah, so um, the the event yesterday started off at the headwaters of uh, Mississippi River in Itasca State Park. Um, and, you know, we gathered there with um, community members and uh, indigenous organizers and leaders, um, scientists, uh, healthcare providers, um, and we were we were really there to um, draw attention to the water, um, to you know provide an opportunity for people to see you know with their own eyes what what the condition of the river is. Um, as you mentioned, it's it's you know historic uh, low levels that we're that we're experiencing and seeing up in northern Minnesota. Um, and so you know we also we invited. Um, uh, decision makers and, and representatives from really all around the region. Um, ten governors were invited from states that, um, you know, border the Mississippi River um, and, and just really wanted to give the opportunity for people to see the conditions uh, that are that are happening up north. Did the um, uh, did the governors accept that invitation? Were any governors present? No, we no governors were present. So we had, you know, ten empty chairs. Um sitting there, uh, you know, providing opportunity for governors to engage around this issue, and, and all were invited and, and none came. So what happened then as, uh, wh- where where did you go after that? Yeah, so we, we basically went on a tour. We took folks on a tour to see some of the um, sites uh, in the region that are being impacted by drought. Uh, and some of the sites that are, you know, simultaneously being impacted by the Line 3 Parsons pipeline. Um, so we, we took a visit to Upper Rice Lake, um, where uh, Indigenous folks like Bob Shimnick and others, uh, you know, really demonstrated the incredibly low water levels that are on that lake. 
um, and talked about the importance of that lake uh, for wild rice um, to the to the people of White Earth and the people of that region. Um, and it was really, you know, you can see in the middle of the lake uh, that all of the wild rice crop there in the middle has turned yellow. Um, and this is this is not the time of year for that. Uh, that's that's very seasonal. This is the time when it should be it should be growing green. Um, so it was very striking to see that. Um, and then we subsequently went to the the Mississippi River where Enbridge is currently drilling under the river uh, to install their pipeline. Um, and so that's where we that's where we ended up yesterday. What happened yesterday? I've I've gotten a, a series of uh, of emails talking about uh, a frack out. I'm, I confess I don't know what a frack out is. What happened yesterday? Yeah. Um, well, so just to talk about what a frack out is. So um, in so Enbridge is 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 installing their pipeline across um, more than two hundred streams and rivers in northern Minnesota. Uh, and there's two there's two ways they do that. One is they they basically just cut an open trench across the stream bottom um, and lay the pipe in, um, and that's quite disruptive to the the local and downstream stream environment. Um, but there's a second way that they use. It's called horizontal directional drilling, or HDD, and they essentially drill a tunnel underneath the river or underneath the wetland. Um, and install the pipe uh, that way, underneath the, the channel itself. Um, but in order to drill that, that t- tunnel, they, you know, they need a, a large, a huge drill, a drill bit. They have to lubricate the drill bit with something called drilling fluid. Um, and it is possible that if you know, the tunnel they're drilling loses structural integrity, or if groundwater is actively upwelling um, through that tunnel, that that drilling fluid can be, you know, leaked or spilled or released out into the environment. Um, and when we were at the headwaters yesterday with folks, um, people noticed that Enbridge, the workers started to get out cleanup equipment. Um, and, you know, folks from the road could see that, that Enbridge had had a spill while we were there um, in real time there was drilling fluid that had been spilled over an area of wetlands immediately adjacent to the river. So what happened? Did the, did, uh, did the group of people or did uh, water protectors talk with folks? What happened there? Yeah, um, well, I think, you know, folks um, were trying to get a sense of the, the size of the spill. Um, I think some, some water protectors uh, took some footage of, of the spill and Enbridge workers, you know, trying to sweep the spilled fluid um, into an area that they were trying to vacuum it up. Um, I think, you know, what's concerning is I think the, the concern that people were expressing at the site is that, you know, there's no, there's no state agency monitors present. Um, and so these spills are happening. And so if, if water protectors or other folks weren't on site, you know, the concern is how would anybody even know these spills are happening? Um, and I think, you know, my concern is that the state agency is responsible for monitoring this. So Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, Minnesota DNR, you know, I, I think they should know how important this 
this project is how concerned people are about the impact. And so it's very, it's very disconcerting not to, you know, that there's no monitors on site, um, that, you know, when folks try to call the agencies, they don't get, they don't get a clear response about what agencies are doing um, to assess these impacts. And so I think there's, there's sort of a feeling of a weight on the people that, that they have to be the ones to monitor this because no one else is there. Um, and if they don't see it and report on it, it won't get reported. Um, so that's sort of the feeling that, that I had just being there with, with folks at the site. Chrissy, you work for the University of Minnesota Duluth, and of course, we're proud of our university and we're proud of the work that it does. And yet we also know that uh, creating change is unwieldy, that decisions are, are made uh, at the highest levels of government and of corporations and of institutions like universities, and not everybody's happy about it. Um, trying to get the, the ocean liner turned around, in essence, once it starts going in, a, in one direction, is really very difficult. Is, do, do water protectors, do people see a, a, a way of effecting this kind of change? Do they see a way of cutting through this somehow? It seems counterintuitive that spills could be taking place in our natural environment and nobody is there to watch, to monitor, uh, to, to be looking over all of this. It, it to an extent, seems counterintuitive to say take five billion gallons of water during a drought um it it seems mm -hmm. almost as though the process has taken over and people who are trying to protest are just sort of steamrolled it, does anybody mm. see a way around this i mean a, a way to to grapple with this so so that this is not the way we do business here in minnesota yeah that's such a good question um I mean, I think my perspective, having seen the, the process really up close um, and in detail, um, you know, I, I, it's very clear that, that the process is failing people, it's failing environmental protection. Um, but I also think, you know, the state decision makers, uh, you know, agency commissioners, Governor Walls, uh, President Biden, they do have the tools at their disposal that they need to make better decisions, um, to create a future that is livable for all of us. Um, and I think it's really, you know, it's a political choice they need to make uh, to, to do that. But they have, the, they have the legal framework and the tools they need, um, but they, you know, they need the, the political courage and the wherewithal to start implementing some of those frameworks that we have on the books to protect the water, uh, protect the climate. Um, and, you know, I think one thing that I've heard over and over, you know, from folks yesterday uh, at the press event, uh, speakers, other community members at the event, is that, you know, people have no intention of giving up. I think, um, you know, change is, is, is very possible, and it's possible through, you know, just relentless um, commitment. And I think that is what I see from, from water protectors. That is what I see from you know, the increasing involvement of, of folks like me from science backgrounds, from health backgrounds, from all different types of backgrounds, um, I think I see folks really rising up to the challenge at hand. Um, and I think that that's where, you know, my hope lies in terms of uh, turning the ship around. 
Christine, is this, and this may be a, a hopelessly clueless question on my part, but is do you see, does anyone see a way to take politics out of this equation so that once again we're weighing um, pros and cons that are as objective as possible in terms of a cost-risk analysis so that instead of being swayed by the winds of politics and power and how do I garner votes, is there a way to move this process back into reality, sort of? Uh, well, you know, I, I sort of take a different view. I mean, I, I my view is that, you know, everything we do, um, even the work we do as scientists, is, is sort of inherently political. Um, because, you know, it, it, I often say that it, uh, neutrality aids, you know, those who are already in power. Um, and so if you really try to remove yourself from... Um, complicated power dynamics, you're really, you know, by default, <laughs> you're enabling the existing more powerful side. Um, and so I think we actually do need a real political analysis of this. You know, we need a historical analysis that takes into account um, colonialism, uh, land theft, uh, genocide, you know, things that um, state governments, federal governments um, have, have been perpetrating on indigenous folks for hundreds of years, you know, that is still very much in effect. Um, and I don't think there's a way for us to grapple with this issue without addressing those. Um, and I, so I think in order to, you know, protect the land and the water, we actually really have to go to the root of what's wrong. Um, the, the root of what's wrong with, in terms of some of these uh, systems that are still dominated by, by colonial thinking that doesn't, you know, give full recognition to sovereign tribal nations, um, to folks who are really concerned about protecting the water. Um, so that's my perspective, is that we actually can't, we can't dodge these elements of power. We really have to go there, um, and we have to take them on with, with a lot of care um, and care for each other and, uh, you know, dedication. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was great to have you here. Thank you for sharing your experience yesterday. I appreciate it very, very much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Dr. Christine Dolph joined us this morning as our guest on Green Visions. She's a research scientist with the Department of Ecology, Evolution, and Behavior at the University of Minnesota Duluth and our guest this morning on Green Visions. Green Visions on KUMD is made possible with support from Heritage Window and Door, the Duluth Superior Supplier for Renewal by Anderson Windows and Doors, and from the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower-carbon energy future.